right. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Vanguard. I am Matt Wright, and together you and I are going to be taking a magnificent voyage, traversing the muddied waters of liberty, freedom, muddied waters of freedom. That's the second time I've made that mistake in six years. The first time was on the second show I've ever done. Um, <clears throat> welcome to the Muddy Wires of Freedom. I, of course, am Matt Wright, your host for the evening, and we have a fantastic show for you, uh, as always. But first and foremost, before we get into anything else, no matter what you are watching this on, whether it's YouTube, Twitter, uh, Facebook, uh, Twitch, any of the other platforms, or if you are watching this later on Spotify or listening on your favorite podcasting platform, thank you. Thank you. Uh, because you are the reason, <laughs> you are the reason that I get paid, and uh, I love each and every one of you, uh, especially more than uh, you know normal people. So uh, thank you all very much, and to each and every one of you, I say Bula Vanaka. Uh, now, before we get into anything else, how much do you hate mornings, and do you want to make that more? Do you want to hate them more than you already do? Because I know how. Mudwater. Mudwater is a coffee alternative that has one-seventh of the caffeine as coffee and is made with all-natural ingredients, including masala chai, cacao, mushrooms, turmeric, sea salt, cinnamon, and that is it. Don't you worry about the fact that it tastes like licking the bottom of a hobo's foot. Because that doesn't matter. All that matters is that you try it and you like it. Um, if you want to make the switch from uh, from coffee to mud water, head on over to muddywaterfreedom.com slash mud and get your mud water starting pack. And uh, you can find out what it tastes like to lick the bottom of a hobo's foot. Uh, I'm just going to say add honey, no matter what, add honey. Uh, that is the only important thing you need to know about anything else. Add honey. Uh, and it makes everything in this world so much better. Um, so we've got a big show for you tonight. Um, so starting out, there was big news yesterday. Um, I'm certain many of you already know this, or at least everybody that uh, pays attention to anything going on in the world already knows this. But Sam Bankman-Fried was arrested. And this is great news, right? Because obviously he defrauded Tons of people, billions of dollars have gone missing. Nobody knows exactly what's happened with it. But he has now been arrested. Um, he was arrested by bah the, bah the, Bahami the, Bahamian, the Bahamian police following a receipt of formal notification from the United States that has filed criminal charges against SBF and is likely to request his extradition. So we've all kind of expected this to happen. But in the meantime, while all of this was going on, you saw Sam Bankman-Fried going on a sort of media tour, going on sort of a media tour, and he's been, you know, at the New York Times, he was giving a speech, uh, and, or he was part of a panel, and people were, like, applauding him for what he had done. So uh, for anybody out there, put it in the, uh, put it in the comments below. Um, put it in the comments on this show, or if you're watch if you're watching, listening to this on your favorite podcasting platform, or watching this on Spotify later, uh, you know, add it into uh, your review, leave reviews as well. Um, what do you think is going to happen? Is is anything going to happen to Sam Bankman-Fried, or is he going to end up getting off scot free? Because I personally, 
I don't think much is going to happen to the guy. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But I don't think much is going to happen to the guy. Uh, I don't know how many people saw it today. Uh, I, was, I was sitting in a conference, and um, I was, you know, kind of scrolling through Twitter while I was on this conf- at this conference. And one of, the, uh, one of the news articles that came out was that in the congressional hearings for FTX, uh, they announced that it was FTX had been using QuickBooks for all of their accounting. This was a multi-billion dollar corporation, and QuickBooks was the accounting software that they had decided to use at FTX. And that does not fill me with any sense of real... Uh, I have no... uh, 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 What's the right word that I'm looking for here? I have no idea. Um, I don't have any confidence that they knew what they were doing, and the fact that people gave them as much money as they gave them is just a massive uh, breakdown in all that is good in investment and in crypto. Um, anyway, uh, so leave it in the comments what you think is going to happen to uh, SBF. And uh, if you think anything's going to happen to him or if you don't think anything's going to happen to him. And, uh, you know, we'll check back in on those later. Now, moving on to other terrible trading platforms, uh, Brittany Griner has been released from a Russian prison after the Biden administration worked out a one-for-one trade with Russia, exchanging the WNBA star, I guess, um, for Victor Bout, a merchant of death, as they like to call him. So what we have learned from this trade uh, between U.S. and Russia, the one-on-one Brittany Griner for Victor Bout, the Lord of the movie Lord of War with Nicolas Cage was based on him. If you didn't know that, um, what we have learned is that this is that the administration, the Biden administration, doesn't really think pe- that people should be imprisoned for marijuana, but still has yet to change the scheduling of marijuana like he promised to do before the midterm election. Um, Joe Hanush says he, uh, SBF should identify as not guilty. Yes, that would work. Um, but he, uh, he promised to do this before the midterm, he, he promised to do this before the midterm election. But as we all know, Biden has made a long history out of making promises for things that he knew he couldn't do or things that he never intended to do. He made promises on student loan debt relief. And Nancy Pelosi in 2021 uh, stated that Biden isn't a uh he isn't a dictator he can't just sign a pen and say yes student loan debt is gone and then biden attempted to do that and we're saying you can't he knew that you can't this is something that's going to have to go through the proper channels um and that's not going to happen because a lot of people believe when you take out a loan and you take out a debt you need to repay that debt um so (laughs) Derek Ambrose says, what we have learned is that the Biden uh, is that Biden sucks at making deals. Yes, he does suck at making deals. Um, But he was doing what he always does. He was trying to buy votes. And I don't know if him promising to uh, reschedule marijuana from a schedule one to a schedule two, schedule three, schedule four, schedule five uh, bought him any votes. But it was an empty promise since he didn't do it immediately. That's something he can do with a pen and he hasn't done it. But him saying, okay, we need to get Brittany Griner out of jail for marijuana state shows that he doesn't believe people belong in jail 
for marijuana. We also learned, we also learned that he doesn't actually care about guns or believe in gun control measures. Because he says, he says he wants to get rid of guns and he says that he wants, uh, you know, we need to get rid of all semi, semi-automatic weapons and there's no place in the streets for them and there's no moral reason to sell them and yada, 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 all the stuff that he has said over these years. But if he really believed any of that, these gun, if he really believed that any of these guns shouldn't be on the streets, they wouldn't have released the Jeff Bezos of weapon trading in order to get somebody out who was in there for marijuana. Which, remember, in 2019, before the campaign, well, well, the campaign was going on, but before uh, the Democrat primaries had happened, Biden was was saying that, yes, he believed that marijuana should be illegal and people should not be taking it. He believed that it should remain illegal and that it should continue to be on the scheduled list. Now he's changing his tune. He's releasing Britney. He's making a trade for Britney Griner. But at the same time, he is showing that he doesn't actually believe in his gun control moves because if he had, he would not have released Victor Boot. The other thing, at the very least, at the very, very least, if we are trading arms dealers for people in jail, uh, if we're trading arms dealers for people in jail for drug possession, let's trade all of those in jail for drug, drug possession here in the United States for the entirety of the CIA, who, and we can be honest about this, but if you trade the entirety of the CIA, they have done more arms trading than Victor Bout could dream of accomplishing in his lifetime. So, another thing that kind of came out with everything uh, with the Victor Bout and Brittany Griner trade um, according to the United Arab Emirates in, the, in Saudi Arabia, uh, they put out a joint, a joint press release saying Saudi Arabia's Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, Salman and UAE President Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed led mediation efforts that secured the release of two prisoners between the U.S. and Russia. A joint statement issued by both countries' foreign ministers said on Thursday... Uh, the ministries said the success of the mediation efforts was a reflection of the mutual and solid friendship between their two countries and the United States and Russia. Now, this is the UAE and Saudi Arabia saying that they have a uh, solid friendship between U.S. and Russia, even though Joe Biden called everybody in Saudi Arabia a bunch of pariahs on the campaign trail. Now they're saying that they're friends. This news also came out that they started helping out with these negotiations two days after uh, Saudi Arabia's crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman, was, had the uh, charges dropped against him in the United States for the murder of the Washington Post journalist uh, Khashoggi. I'm not saying that that's why he helped out with the negotiations. I'm just saying that that happened and then he helped out with the negotiations. However, on top of that, Corinne Jean-Pierre, who is the box of bricks that is uh, acting as the White House press secretary, insisted that the only countries that negotiated this deal were were the United States and Russia, and that there was no mediation involved. 
She credited the countries only for narrow points, the, UA the UAE for hosting the exchange on its territory, and the Saudis for raising grinders imprisonment with Russia. To me, that sounds like Saudi helped with the negotiations, but, you know, we'll let nitpickers be nitpickers. Um, so you've got the UAE and Saudi Arabia saying, we helped with the negotiations. You've got Karine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, saying, no, they didn't. They just gave us a place to land. And when you take a moment and you sit back and you think, should I believe the U.S. government or the crown prince of Saudi Arabia and the president of the UAE? Where do you land? Where, where do you land on who do you believe? Because I don't believe the U.S. government. Um, I 100% believe that this was done uh, with the help of the, with the Saudis and the UAE, because otherwise, how do you get them to agree to let Britney land on your land? Which is funny, because if Britney had landed on, UA on UAE territory uh, outside of this, she would have been in a much worse situation than she was in Russia. But they let her land on, um, <laughs> they let her land on their land, helped with this transfer. Victor Boo, uh, Victor Boo walked by her and wished her luck as they made the transfer. And, um, and she, I, I guess she's somewhere else. I don't know where she is right now. I'm not sure if she's home yet, uh, but she had to stay somewhere for a while to make sure that she didn't pass medical exams or something. But you traded the person that Lord of War with Nicolas Cage was based on. The person that they, that I, be, I believe the opening line is something along the lines of there are 327 million Americans 180 million of them have guns. My question is, how do we arm the other however many million? I can't do that math in my head, and I don't have the script in front of me. Um, you, you, you release this guy for a person doing drugs, and I don't believe either of these two people should have been imprisoned. I think that both of what, what both of them were doing, perfectly fine. But when you're telling me that both of these things are illegal and you're saying that one of them is definitely, definitely should be more illegal than the other one, that is not a one-for-one -one swap. That is not a one-for-one -one swap. BDSM Guru over on YouTube uh, raises a good question. Does this explain why gas prices are coming down? A deal with Russia through big oil produ uh, produce, producers. Um, and that's actually a good point because what if part of this trade was Russia would back-channel uh, oil through Venezuela to the United States for this trade. That's actually a valid point. I can't say that that's actually true, but it's, that is the most logical answer on why this trade occurred. Um, uh, Derek Ambrose claims that he has Spike's mixtape. Um, and I will release the location if Victor is allowed to legally sell firearms to U.S. citizens, one for one swap. I'm down. Down. You can have Spike's mixtape. Absolutely 100% down. Um, 
So in other terrorist kind of news, I guess, uh, Ab Abu Aguila Masood, uh, the sus suspected bomb maker in the 1988 Pan American Flight 103 explosion, has been extradited to the U.S. from Libya. Um, the attack on Flight 103, which happened in December of 1988, killed 270 people, including all passengers and crew on the plane, plus 11 residents on the ground. So the U.S. has been working to secure Masood uh, for trial for years, and he will now face trial, making him the first Libyan intelligence official charged and appearing in an American courtroom for his prosecution. They say that there were two other people that helped him with this. One of them appeared in the Netherlands, um, and the other one appeared in, I believe, Scotland. One of them got acquitted. The other one ended up going to prison. Um, so he will be the first one uh, charged and uh, tried here in the United States. Um, they have him on tape saying he planted the bomb. He admitted it in an interrogation in 2012 in Libya. They've got that evidence. It's going to be very difficult for him to get out of this but his defense trial his defense team is working uh really really hard on having the trial thrown out but if that fails and he ends up going to trial odds are he's going to be found guilty and should that happen they have a backup plan and they have booked a trip for megan rapinoe to visit russia with a weed vape pen This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So anybody that has been watching uh, Twitter recently um, knows that the Twitter files have been coming out. And because of uh, some of the news that has been coming out, a lot like you've been seeing so much information and a lot of it has been coming out really quick and you've been hearing every different take. So obviously you're going to get our take as well. And if you saw, Jason and I covered the first installment of the Twitter files on the last episode of Muddied America. Um, so we're going to kind of, I'm going to skip over that. But that was, that was, um, that was put out not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before that. You can go and you can find it all over uh, social media and you can find it on your favorite podcasting platform. So I recommend, um, I recommend checking that out if you have no idea what's going on, but I'm certain each and every one of you already do. But the second installment was uh, was tweeted out by Barry Weiss, which I found out much later is a female. Had no idea. Um, <clears throat> but the second installment was tweeted out by Barry Weiss, dealt with all the ways Twitter effectively shadow banned accounts, which I have trouble believing that because we all remember when uh, Jack tweeted this. 
Following up on this with a lot more detail, we don't shadow ban, and we certainly don't shadow ban based on political viewpoints. We do rank tweets by default to make Twitter more immediately relevant, which can be flipped off more on ranking signals. So... So that was a f***ing lie. Everybody out there knew that Jack was lying when he said that. We, we, we knew shadow banning was going on. We know it goes on on Facebook. We know it goes on on Twitter. We know it goes on on YouTube. We know that it happens. Like, and the, they say that it doesn't. And every time that they say that... So that was a f***ing lie. That's where we're at. Um... Now, the third installment of the Twitter files uh, was released by Matt Taibbi, who released the first, the first edition of them as well. Um, I think showed the most surprising stuff from all of the Twitter files. Um, at the same time of it being the most surprising, I was still not surprised. Like, I wasn't shocked. It it was that same thing that uh, we talked about on Muddied America where I said the greatest tweet I, sa I saw was uh, I am both absolutely shocked and not at all surprised. And that's, it, and that's what it all is. Like, you know all of this stuff is happening. We have known this stuff is happening. But now we actually have the proof that it's going on. So we... So what I like the most surprise the, the most shocking stuff still not surprising came out when Matt Taibbi put out the third installment, um, and a lot of us knowing since we already knew that a lot of this was going on, uh, like all of these episodes, each one of them, every one of them has just been, it's just been evidence proving that what we believed in the past was correct. So. We're out here tooting our own horns, and I know that we do it on this show all the time. We talk about how right we are about the things like, you know, when vaccines and mask mandates and blah, yada, 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 and how spending, you know, $7 trillion in two years is going to end up, you know, wrecking the American economy and, uh, you know, whatever else. Anything that you've probably heard us talk about here on Muddy Waters Media for the last six years, we've basically gotten it right. The timeline may have been a little off, but we basically got it right. Um, but so like we're out here tooting our own horns, but what needs to be done uh, is that the people in charge of big tech need to have their feet held to the fire until changes are made globally until they are made globally, like globally meaning, you know, throughout the internet. And I've got a question about that later, but before that, Joel Roth the former trust and safety head of Twitter uh, is coming out of this looking like the worst Bond villain in history. Uh, like he is some tiny little, tiny little, uh, what, I can't remember the guy's name from, from uh, the Roger Moore movie, the short little guy that was played by, I can't remember that guy's name. Um, he, he, you know, he played the plane, the plane bus. Um, but he's coming out looking something along that. In the Eternal Slack channel, he wrote, and 
he seemed to get like some sense of enjoyment um, and he got some sense of enjoyment from the conversations, but he also got this overwhelming sense of power about the meetings that he was having weekly with the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, and the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. Um, in the Slack channel, he wrote, eh, it happens. I'm a big believer in calendar, tra calendar transparency, but I reached a certain point where my meetings became very interesting to people and there weren't there weren't meeting uh, there weren't meeting names generic enough to cover. Anyway, let me know. Uh, and then he went on to or a very boring business meeting that's definitely not about Trump, pretty much. Uh, definitely not meeting with the FBI, I swear, in a way that I would say something on the show that was completely sarcastic. That was completely sarcastic. Um, to let you know that I was meeting with the FBI as though I would ever do something like that. Um, now, during this time period, which if you take a look at when that was, let me pull that back up. Oh, that doesn't have the date on it. I thought it did. Uh, this was starting out before J January 6th. This was before January 6th. This was the stuff leading up to January 6th. Um, so during this time, executives were clearly, clearly meeting uh, with federal enforcement and intelligence agencies about the moderation of election-related content. Um, they even debated whether they should call their dealings with the feds partnerships with outside experts. And oddly, because they didn't want to call the FBI and the DHS experts, they shortened it to partnerships. Partnerships implies, or at least I can infer, that they are working together for a similar goal. Um, in one tweet by T Taibbi, uh, he wrote... Roth's report to FBI, DHS, DNI is almost farcical in its self-flagellating tone. We blocked the New York Post story, then unblocked it, but said the opposite. Comms is angry. Reporters think we are idiots. In short, FML, uh, which we all know what that means. Um, and then if you're watching this anywhere, you can see the actual, uh, the actual thing that he wrote, that Yul Roth wrote in the, in the uh, Slack channel. Um, and that is, it is showing that the FBI and that Yol, Yol Roth, I think that's how you say his name. I'm not a hundred percent if that's how you say his name. Uh, I would say that, uh, if you know how to pronounce his name, uh, you know, comment and try to phonetically spell it for me. Um, but if, uh, Yol Roth and the FBI, we're both actively taking, taking an active role in the suspension of accounts. The FBI was even going so far to point out which accounts to flag. And the fact that the FBI was directing them sent enough joy through Twitter that the staff started sharing these messages all across their groups. Um, as Matt Taibbi writes, here the FBI sends a report about a pair of tweets, the second of which involves a former Tippecanoe County, Indiana counselor and a Republican named John Basham claiming between 2% and 25% of ballots 
by mail are being rejected for errors. Um, and here the FBI is saying, hey, we've got this, uh, we've got this, take a look at this tweet. So as Jason and I report on Muddy America, which, as I've said before, you can watch on Spotify or listen on your favorite podcasting platform, both sides were involved in trying to get content banned from Twitter, kicked off Twitter, to have accounts taken off Twitter. However, Matt Taibbi, Matt Taibbi writes here, examining the entire election enforcement slack, we didn't see one reference to moderation requests from the Trump campaign, the Trump White House, or Republicans generally. We looked. They may exist. We were told they do. However, they were absent here. Now, if that's the case, and I believe, I believe that Republicans somewhere did attempt this. I don't know why they wouldn't have those files. I don't know why they wouldn't have the uh, proof that that is. Maybe they can't find it. Maybe it was deleted. I don't know. But uh, if, that's, if that's true, uh, why is it that they took off so much that the Democrats wanted to take off? Why were they going after all of these election accounts? Why did they say, okay, we're going to start hitting these hashtags? Why did they start going after Stop the Steal? They tried to go after Kraken, but they couldn't because it was a uh, crypto exchange. It was a crypto exchange, and I think, I'm not 100% sure, but I think it has something to do with a hockey team. So they were like, okay, we can't get rid of Kraken, but we can get rid of the other stuff. Um, we can try to get, we can get rid of the other stuff. Why were they doing this at, at, at the request of Democrats when Republicans weren't even allegedly trying to get things thrown off? So there was also admissions from people in Twitter, um, from people in Twitter that they had Trump visibility filtered, which is their way of saying shadow banned, uh, visibility filtered at least one week before the election. And they were doing everything that they could to keep the, at the time, active president from getting his full potential reach. There was a group of people, including Yoel Roth and Vijaya Gadi, who were working to make sure that not as many people out in the world would see the stuff that Trump was posting. And that wasn't to protect Trump. You could make the argument, but that wasn't what that was for. Um, so if anyone, if anyone was tweeting about election stealing or voter fraud, they were getting shadow banned, suspended, or kicked off. Wait, I said anyone, I apologize, not anyone. If a Democrat was worried Trump may steal the election or Brian Kemp would commit voter fraud, they were allowed to pass because as one Twitter employee phrased it, that's understandable. That is understandable. Yeah, two, Joe Hanush says 2 to 25% is a wide range. It is a wide range. And odds are that there was some mistakes made in that range. Just because it's such a wide range. There's probably mistakes in that range. Um, 
So uh, the Democrats filed Twitter in-kind contributions in their campaign finance reports. <laughs> no, they did. No, they filed regular donations from Twitter, uh, but they should have. Um, so when they were saying that's understandable if Brian Kemp were to commit voter fraud or if Trump was going to try to steal the election, that's understandable. That shows you where most of the people who work at Twitter, where their mindset was. They weren't worried about fair and balanced. They weren't worried about being the public square. They were worried about making sure that only one side's voice was getting out. They didn't want the other side's voice getting out. Um, it shows that Twitter in 2020, at the very least, was deploying a vast range of visible and invisible tools to rein in Trump's engagement. And this was long before January 6th. This was before the election. This was before November, whatever the first Tuesday, November after the first Monday is. Um, this was, that's when this was. This was very early. This was before any of this, you know, they stole the election. This was before any of that. Um, the sad part that I see about this, and again, I want to hear what you guys think. The sad part that I see about this is nothing is really going to change on social media. Uh, Elon may make Twitter a better social media platform for speech than it was. It won't be the best, but it won't be the worst. Uh, but this won't change the past. You're not going to be able to, you know, as Trump said that uh, we talked about briefly last week on Muddy Waters of Freedom, uh, you're not going to be able to, you know, uh, throw out the rules of the throw out the rules of the Constitution. The founders would never have wanted an election with whatever he said. Um, that's not going to happen. You can't change the past. And I don't think anybody's going to get in trouble for this. Yoel Roth, gone. Vijaya Gotti, gone. And what trouble could they really get into? One of the things that, uh, one of the things that I found really interesting, I wish I had pulled it up, but there was so much information. I was checking things and calling people to make sure things were right the way that I was interpreting them uh, that I kind of missed some stuff. But uh, there was an employee for Twitter uh, when they were talking about banning Trump and they said, the employee said, yeah, being from China, I am not real big on the censorship thing. Understandable. 100% get it. Um, and somebody responded, no, I absolutely agree with you. Although I see a difference uh, in a, I, or I think there is nothing wrong or I don't agree at all with the government censoring people, but I see nothing wrong with a private company censoring government. Why? Why? If the government's saying something like it or don't like it, Everybody should see it and be able to make up their minds and debate the, it, debate the topics. By silencing a member of government that you don't like, you're shutting off communication, you're blocking it, and you are creating 
the ultimate echo chamber where everybody's going to think that they're morally superior, but in the reality, everybody in there is failing at the most important parts of life, which if you can't sit down and have a dialogue, even if it's dialogue on the internet, which we know is basically the cesspool of, you know, humankind of all time. Um, if you can't have a dialogue on the internet without thinking this person needs to be thrown off, this government official needs to be kicked off. You are at a point where there is, you you're never going to get everything that you want in life. You're not going to get everything you want in life. You're going to be stuck moving through life just wanting everybody silenced when you're at the point where you're saying the president shouldn't be allowed to speak to the people through Twitter. I didn't put much of the stuff on the, uh, on, uh, the fifth Twitter files, um, but the basics... The basis of the fifth Twitter files is that Vijaya Gotti, after January 6th, decided, basically unilaterally, that the tweets Trump put out were coded and that he should be banned from Twitter because they were coded uh, to incite violence. I know what the tweet said. One of them said, I'm not going to, I don't care how many of you ask to, or to all of those who are asking, I will not be going to the inauguration on January 21st. The other one said to the 75 million uh, American patriots, uh, to the 75 million American patriots, your voices will not be silenced. Some, you know, something along those lines. And the words that she said that were coded were, was the term American patriots. American patriots, meaning that anybody that lives in the New England area talking about the patriots that week risked being kicked off of Twitter because those are coded words. Um, uh, so there's not a lot like Vijaya Gotti, nothing's going to happen to her. Nothing's going to happen to her. Nothing's going to happen to Yol Roth. Um, Jim Jordan doing what Jim Jordan does uh, is thinking about bringing everyone in for hearings. But can anybody out there, and please let me know if you can, because uh, I don't remember this happening ever. But uh, can you name the last congressional hearing that ended with anything of note other than grandstanding on a national stage by a congressman or those who have been called in to testify. That is where you had Jack Dorsey sitting there in front of Congress saying, I've made a prepared statement uh, that I will read. I am also going to tweet it right now. And he tweeted just so he could tweet while he was there. Uh, that's where you had Mark Zuckerberg in the most lizard-like fashion talking to them, not answering their questions while saying that you know Facebook doesn't do the things that you know Facebook does. And you know Facebook does it because Twitter did it and lied about it for so many years. You know YouTube does it. The congressional hearings won't do anything. Nothing is going to change. The only thing that could possibly change is that 
the people over at uh, Google, YouTube, um, Alphabet, whatever, uh, the people over there might look at this and say, okay, we need to change how we're doing this. Mark Zuckerberg may say, okay, obviously we're going to get caught doing this, so we need to change how we're doing this. Maybe, maybe, but it has been working for so long, they have been able to silence people without any repercussion for so long that nothing, I don't think anything changes here. And to any conservative out there who's like, we need to change Section 230. No, because if you change Section 230, what's going to happen is they are going to say that Facebook, uh, that social media companies can be held liable for the things that you post on social media. And if that happens, you will be banned so incredibly fast, you won't even remember what it's like to be able to sign in. So let me know in the comments if you think anything's going to happen, if you think anything's going to change, um, and what you think is going to happen to Sam Bankman-Fried as he heads into the next stages of his arrest and arraignment. Um, I'm certain that uh, a lot of you, I wasn't going to ever actually announce this, uh, I'm certain that a lot of you out there saw a post in the Muddied Waters group on Facebook um, and if you're a member of that group, thank you so much. I appreciate you being there. Uh, about Spike Cohen saying that he is no longer a host here at Muddied Waters Media, and that is true. His schedule got way too hectic, and it it became it became untenable for us to continue to try to make it work, um, and it was creating a division that neither one of us were happy with. And we figured that this was actually the best result. Um, again, like I said, like I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, um, there are a lot of things that are changing here at Muddy Waters, but we are still going to be delivering you the great, the great muddy content that we have been doing for six years. We're getting better. You know, we continue to improve. We're continuing to increase uh, how we do things and make it a much more visually impressive show, uh, hopefully audi audibly impressive as well. Uh, and, you know, we're all on learning curves everywhere, but we are getting to new heights. And to everybody who's out there listening, um, Derek Ambrose, so you're saying that you're taking applications for a co-host. I'm not saying that, but I'm not not saying that. Um... I just want to say that my last co-host, he went places. I'm not saying I'm a star maker, but my last co-host went places. Um, so we're going to miss Spike, obviously. Uh, he He's always going to be a part of Muddied Waters. He's always going to be a member of the Muddied Waters family. He's just not going to be on the air. Um, and, you know, if he ever decides to... Uh, if he ever decides that he wants to come on, I'm more than happy to have him back on uh, and we'll be able to do a show, you know, hopefully in the future. But right now it just, it was just too untenable. Like I would be, I would ask him if we could have, if we were doing a show Tuesday and I wouldn't even hear back until Wednesday. So because of that, we decided this was going to be the best for everyone. And we're now growing again and changing and everything's going to be new. Everything's going to be different. And we've got a lot of great stuff happening uh, starting off in the next year. But tune in on Friday, I believe, at 5 o'clock Eastern for Mr. America, the Bearded 
Truth. Uh, Jason Lyon has a brand new episode that is going to be out. And then tune in next Tuesday right here. I'm trying to... So, okay. Let me know what you want to happen because I can't decide. Uh, I am stuck between doing just your normal your normal show where I kind of talk about the week's events and uh, kind of go through all that stuff and tell you what it means. Uh, or I can do what we had been, what Spike and I had been doing, which is a year-end wrap-up, but that seems like it's a much more engaging thing when it's two people talking about it as opposed to just me saying, this happened, remember that? Um, so... Let me know what you want to see in the comments. I can do it either way. Uh, I can do it either way, and uh, we can just uh, move forward. Uh, the week after that, which I believe is the Tuesday, I believe, yeah, that's the Tuesday after Christmas. I will not be doing a show that week. I will be taking the week off, uh, but I will be back after that in the new year, uh, fresh and fancy-free, ready to give you all of the liberty that you desire. Um, Everybody have a great rest of your week, uh, and uh, tune in for Jason. Uh, tune in for Jason Lyon, Mr. America, the Bearded Truth on Friday. And remember where we're going. We don't need roads. <laughs>